0: This is episode 84 with Nick Broadhurst. G'day legends and welcome to Your Life of Impact, where we connect with world-class athletes and coaches, health experts and enthusiasts, inspiring entrepreneurs and community leaders, all to teach you how to tap into your inner excellence. I'm your host, Brett Robbo, and I'm extremely grateful you're joining us today on Your Impactful Journey. Mellow beat. I love this chat with Nick. I love life. I love my gorgeous fiance Marie. And I love you, legends, the impactful community that you are. Hence why we've created a Facebook group for this podcast community. It's to join you, legends from all around the world with a safe sharing platform. Sharing what? Sharing support sharing helpful tools and strategies, sharing podcasts, uh, sharing what we've learned from the episodes on this podcast because it's always cool to learn how other people learn and what they made from it. Just sharing value, whatever it is that you feel that you can share and give and gain value from. So on Facebook, go to the group section and search for Your Life of Impact Podcast Community. And you can join it from there. I'll also be jumping on there occasionally and having a bit of fun, just providing a bit of value, sometimes a Q&A, sometimes just sharing a, a video, uh, sharing some behind-the-scenes stuff, whatever it is that I feel like uh, or whatever you guys are reaching out for that you want to engage with. But it's mostly a space to allow you, you community of legends, the listeners, to connect and learn, share and grow celebrate each other's triumphs and support each other's challenges and adversities. So I'd love to have you join us over there and help us strengthen this community and our worlds together. Also, if you're living in Australia, particularly on the East Coast and within driving distance of the Gold Coast, actually, no, that's a lie because we've already got people flying in, so I'll, I'll retract that. Maybe if I just say, if you're living in Australia... Hang on, now I'm just thinking New Zealand is actually closer to uh, the Gold Coast than other parts of Australia. All right, so wherever you're living in the world, listen up. (laughs) We have our awesome event coming up, the Impact Journey. Marie and I have collaborated with world-renowned performance coach and breathing expert, Nam Baldwin, who you've heard on episode number four of this podcast, mindfulness expert Amber Hawken from episode number 69. And functional medicine practitioner and gut health expert, Carl Hewen from episode 9. And we've put together an epic journey with these legends that will allow you guys to enhance your mental, physical and emotional well-being from so many different aspects. There's an option to complete the full transformational journey, which we've already got people signing up for and flying in for. And it includes two events on the Gold Coast at the big one at the beginning and one at the end, and a series of online modules in between. So you can do the full journey, or you can join all of us on the Gold Coast for the final event, which will be an absolute ripper. Now I discussed all this in detail on episode number eighty-one. So you can go back and listen to episode number eighty-one, get all the info that is entailed with either the event or the full journey. But also jump onto the website and you'll find all the details and answers to a lot of your questions there at yourlifeofimpact.com forward slash impact journey. Or if you forget the little forward slash part, the website, as you know, is yourlifeofimpact.com and you can just click on the events tab there. Seriously, guys... Marie and I are freaking pumped for this journey and the event. It's an absolute abundance of value and knowledge that will undoubtedly it will shift and empower people's lives. So check it all out. Uh, reach out if you've got any questions at all. Find out all the info there. Your lifeofimpact.com forward slash impact journey. Okay. Nick Broadhurst. What a dude. What an intriguing, genuine, authentic dude. Who is he? Well, as I love to truly understand people from how well they know themselves, I kick it off by asking the probing question of who is Nick Broadhurst? So you'll get his personal understanding of himself from that perspective so I don't need to tell you too much detail uh, any more than that because it's quite a long episode actually, as you'll see. it's We, we chat for, for quite a while. Except the other bit of info that I will give you is that I have an abundance of respect for his desire to understand himself and human behavior at the deep levels that he does and then to take the action to implement all the necessary things into his life ...that allow him to tap into his inner excellence and live optimally. So who is he briefly before he tells us who he truly is? Nick's a singer, a songwriter, a film producer. He's a founding member of Sneaky Sound System... ...which was a very famous and popular Australian dance group. They formed in the early 2000s, I think it was 2001. Sort of an alternative indie rock style, I'd say... So Nick is also a saxophonist for the music group Flight Facilities. He's a podcast host and thanks again to Coach CJ or Cass who coaches at Elevation where I do on the Gold Coast here. So she introduced me to his podcast and that's how I got to know Nick. Nick's also a meditation and Ayurveda advocate, a visual artist, a serial entrepreneur, a performer, a loving father and a loving husband. So in this episode, we discuss Nick's battle with depression and his Jesus moment that helped change the trajectory of his life, why he believes and practices Ayurveda religiously and what Ayurveda is, the power of Vedic meditation, why he's poured a fortune of his own money into producing a documentary We dive deep into relationship discussions and also the masculine and feminine sides that we all possess and why it's important to recognize both sides regardless of your gender. We talk about how he and his beautiful wife, Melissa, nourish each other and explore connectedness at some pretty deep levels. We also chat about why nothing good ever comes from closing yourself off and so much more that we go into As I said, it's a long chat. It's an intriguing chat. If you've ever had some tough challenges in your life or seen some darker sides to life, you'll get a lot of value out of this one. But even if you haven't, you'll learn a ton of value and tools to action on to improve your quality of life. And that's what we're here for, right? To always learn what we can do to take action to improve our quality of life. And also, if you want to hear Nick go deeper, you want to hear some deep, honest vulnerability, make sure you subscribe to his podcast, uh, which we talk about in this episode, and I've got it linked up in the show notes. He really does open up a lot and doesn't hold anything back on his own show. Before we hear from Nick, I want to take a minute to read another iTunes review. And I know you've heard me say this plenty of times, But by you guys rating and reviewing this show, it gives the podcast credibility when I'm reaching out for the inspiring and the impactful guests that will give you value. People have busy lives and to schedule in an hour chat with Robbo on your life of impact, whilst you and I know how valuable this show is, these guys are weighing it up against the 99 other directions they're being pulled in. So, the more five-star ratings and written reviews we have, the better chance we have to consistently bring these legends on for you. So, if you truly value the show and are keen for me to stick around and keep bringing these guests on for you, please jump on and give your genuine rating and review. At the time of this recording, actually, we've got... We've got 93 five-star reviews, almost cracking the elusive century. You beauty. I'm proud and super grateful for you 93 five-star raiders. And this one is titled Powerful and Thought-Provoking. It says, sorry, they say, this podcast is powerful. Robbo speaks with ease about potentially complex issues and ultimately delivers it in an authentic and relatable way. It has helped make me more reflective and aware and less prone to wasting energy and focus on things which are trivial. As a father of two young kids and having just started my own business, sorry, just started my own business, life is complicated and hectic. Robbo has helped me refocus and opened up a path which has the potential to allow me to have greater impact in many areas of my life. I look forward to listening to future episodes and am very interested in taking the next step by completing the mental strength training. Thanks, Brett. So that's by Justin Humphrey. And oh yeah, this warms my heart and soul because when a parent can make positive change in many areas of their life, like you said, Justin, that'll have significant trickling effects in the family life and beyond. So thank you, mate. You're an absolute champion. And thanks again to everyone who has written a review and given us that five-star rating. Now let's hear from Nick Broadhurst. Who is Nick Broadhurst?
1: <laughs> is that a question? That's the question. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I'm about to launch a new website and the URL is IamNickBroadhurst.com. So I should know that. <laughs> uh, That's the answer to that question. Um, who is Nick Broadhurst? Look, I at heart, I am a musician. Um, it's something which has been, been with me since I was a very young child and it's something I moved away from in my mid twenties and have come back to, but at my core, that's, that's my truth. But at the same time, (laughs) I get pretty restless. So I'm a bit of a serial entrepreneur. I start and build lots of businesses and I'm a film producer. And outside of that, I also am a dad and a husband and, you know, just like all of us, I'm on a journey doing my best to just have the best life possible.
0: And the reason I ask that question to start off with is because I see that you have a very deep understanding of self. And when I listen to your podcast episodes, I resonate, but I understand how much work you've obviously done on your personal development to understand who you are Mm. and the journey that you're on.
1: Yeah, it's true. And, you know, I, I grew up with a father who, He's pretty out there, to be honest. He's He was a dentist, but um, in terms of his spirituality and consciousness, he was extremely, extremely high. And I was exposed to this my entire life. And I think most kids, they tend to sort of push back on their parents to a degree. So I sort of, I was aware of it the whole time, but I never really fully went into it. And I had this sort of interesting journey where I started my late teens early 20s where I was doing music I was in a very successful band called Sneaky Sound System we did really well we were touring the world and then I left all that to go into real estate which was you know an interesting decision but from that a whole series of events sort of happened which pushed me to really discover who I was and First of all, moving away from my truth, which was music, and going into a world of more push. And I was in a marriage at the time which was falling apart. I had a young son, my health started falling apart. So the universe was really sending me a ton of messages that I had to pivot, I had to move, and I wasn't in the right place. So, you know, for me, my journey was, I guess, self inflicted because I'm the one who made, I'm creating my reality. But at the same time, I was given these really big wake up signals. And one of those was really having my health taken away from me for a few years and having to really go deep into this to pull myself out of the abyss. So, and from that, you know, I'm super grateful for that experience. It's shaped me into who I am today. Um, But it has meant that I've had to go really deep into myself on all levels in terms of mind, body and spirit. And it's you know it's a daily process it never stops
0: so much there to unpack and before we do dive in deeper into your new unique perspective of the world Nick Broadhurst, welcome to Your Life of Impact.
1: Mm, thank you for having me. It's it's great to be here. It's finally nice to meet you as well.
0: Absolutely. Super grateful. Super grateful to have you on and share your value. And the reason we've been connected is simply because I was introduced to your podcast from a coach that I work with, a, a young woman on her own paradigm shifting spiritual journey, young CJ. And mm-hmm. we're always sharing philosophies and podcasts and books with each other. And she shared yours with me. and. After listening to just a few episodes, I knew I wanted to get you onto the podcast and share your value with my community for everything that you just touched on there. And like I said, I can understand there's that deep resonating understanding of self and understanding of human behavior. So I want to go back to that little bit Mm. and just start to unpack a little bit more about your growth as an individual on the personal development path, because obviously, there was some challenges you grew up you said your dad was spiritually and consciously connected and you were obviously exposed to that but then also travelling the world in a music group sneaky sound system there was obviously some conflicting things within your values living those kind of lives
1: yeah there was it's it's like there's this little thing under the surface which is always there and you can't shake it off and uh, you know, at first it's a quiet whisper and then it gets louder and louder. And, you know, the that time of sneaky sound system was fascinating because we were basically creating, almost on our own, creating this whole new music and fashion culture in Australia. And it was really an exciting time to be doing what we were doing. It was a lot of fun, don't get me wrong. But it was a pretty... <laughs> Interesting lifestyle, if you know what I mean. And I made a very conscious choice at the very beginning. And I was the youngest in the group. I was twenty three when we started, and I finished when I was thirty, I believe. And I made this conscious choice to 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 try and live the cleanest life possible because we were traveling a lot. We were in nightclubs. We were staying up late, and that whole world was, you know, it's debauchery really and yeah it certainly had its challenges but at that point I wasn't as attuned to my own sense of self with a capital S uh, capital S sorry I wasn't quite there it was below the surface I always felt different I didn't feel like I quite fitted into that environment but I wasn't quite aware of it and there were some specific markers in my life that really worked that up
0: and you started to mention that before that your marriage was falling apart and your relationships were deteriorating and your health was deteriorating how far did that go before you had to catch yourself and say right something needs to change
1: <laughs> it went pretty far i mean i from an Ayurvedic perspective i'm not too sure if your listeners are familiar with body types and doshas but i'm a vata pitta body type which means that the pitta in me the fire in me has this Taipei personality, this drive. And the Vada is the air, it's the creativity. And when it, whenever that fire gets too hot, it burns out everything around it. And for me, when I was in real estate, I was pushing, 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 because that's really what you have to do to be successful in that world. And I was successful. I managed to work my way up to become awarded the top real estate agent in the country. And I had an average sale price of just under $7 million. So I had a really thriving career within a very short time frame, within about four years, which is almost unheard of, but it came at the expense of me having to push for it. Um, so around that, I had, oh, I thought I was doing everything right. I got married, I had a son, I had the house and the white picket fence and the two BMWs, you know, I thought I had this life that, you know, was sort of brought up to believe this sort of paradigm. But when I got it all, both myself and my ex wife now realized that's not what either of us really wanted. And again, I was living my life from the perspective of what I thought I should be doing. I had no comprehension of myself as a man in terms of my own masculine and feminine balance. I didn't know how to serve my partner at the time. All these sorts of things were completely foreign to me. And it just meant that I kept getting pushed further and further away from my truth to the point where I I spent about the last year of my real estate career, I literally worked about five hours a week because my body was in so much pain. And really that pain was just as a result of the stress that I went through before that going through a divorce. I had meningitis, I was in hospital. And then of course... I found myself nearly single, so I go and work out, try and get all buffed and ripped. And, you know, I was focusing on all this outside stuff. And all that outside stuff, eventually I get these signals that it's time to change. And I always felt invincible with my health up until that point, always. And I think the universe very kindly gifted me the experience of all right, Nick, you think you're invincible? Well, let me just take that health away from you and let's see if you can cope. Let's see how you go then. And that's what happened. And it's almost like I reached this point where I was getting more tired, more tired, more sore, more sore, more pain, and then something just broke. It's like my whole body just gave up. My nervous system just imploded. And that from that point was about a three-year journey of A mix of being bedridden to gosh, just spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on trying to heal myself externally, you know, and of course, all those physical things helped, but I pushed myself pretty deep for sure. I went really deep. I put myself in a very difficult position.
0: How common is that in, in your world? How often do you see people and I'm thinking. What you saw in the real estate, what you saw in the music industry, even what you're exposed to now. How common is it that you see that in society that people will take themselves that deep? in relationship pain, physical pain, sickness, illness, disease, before they start to look for the questions. I guess what I'm getting at is I often say to people, don't wait for the tsunami in your life. Let's learn the skills and the habits. Let's do the studies like even the Ayurveda type stuff. Let's tap into your spirituality. Let's live a life where you're eating normal and good foods now so you're not waiting to for the tsunami to come and then look for the answers.
1: Yeah, look, I think – everybody has a different tsunami and there's always, it tends to be a, a shifting point in most people's lives. There, there tends to be a, a point where something happened that for either forces them to change or forces them to be defeated. And I look at my wife, for example, she had a similar journey to me. She was a professional dancer. She was dancing in Paris in the Moulin Rouge Um, She was acting and she was burning the candle at both ends and around this, I think the same time, 2010, we were both in hospital. We didn't know each other at the time, of course, Um, but she also had that same experience and what I've seen since then is it is extremely common and some are worse than others, of course. For some it might just be, you know, uh, all of a sudden, getting adult acne and thinking, "What is going on? Why am I getting this?" and and then going into the world of Ayurveda and seeing, "Okay, I've got a pitter imbalance. My fire's out of balance." You know, and starting to understand themselves from a more esoteric perspective. But I think, from what I've seen, it tends to be more of the general operating system. The gift I believe is when you do feel broken, when you do feel a bit defeated. I believe getting that early on is actually the gift because. It's very easy to go through life somewhat asleep. And I guess I don't want to use the word ignorant in the wrong way, but using it in the in the true sense, ignorant of yourself. And all of a sudden when you're 50, 60, 70 or 80, getting the wake-up call when it's too late. So I think these wake-up calls can be a blessing, but it doesn't mean we have to go there at all. you know. And I went there. I'm grateful for it. I've actually had multiple wake-up calls i had a wake-up call last year which is a whole other story um but for me i definitely think most people are either operating in a state of going towards that breaking point or may not get it for a long time and my work is really about making sure that people operate from a state of inspiration and always tapping into themselves to see what's true for them and operating from that place because if you ignore your intuition at any point, you're always going to pay a price. And for me, I paid that price by moving into real estate, ignoring my intuition about, you know, moving away from our music. And I got the I had to pay that price eventually with my health. And I think that is a gift. I think it's a beautiful thing, but you have to make sure that you see it that way when it comes. Otherwise it can be a very painful experience. When you mention there your work and I'm
0: curious to know when you say your work, do you believe, is your work your music? Or when I listen to your podcast and I hear you speak, you have so much to offer around the human experience as a whole. And there's two dividing parts that I see here as Nick Broadhurst, the musician, and then Nick Broadhurst, the conduit of powerful information and Uh, a leader in the space of helping people understand themselves and the human experience from different and super powerful and important perspectives
1: it's a really good question and i tell you what from a branding and marketing perspective i'm a nightmare because you know (laughs) well that's kind of why i asked because i'm
0: really interested in that
1: where are you that i can see and i could i can understand those divides sure well you know my record label in america they (laughs) Always sort of battling with who is Nick Broadhurst because my music is what it is and there's a career there and the music does well and I tour and I do all the things that a musician does, but I do them in a different way. I don't do a normal tour. I I pair up with my wife and we do a a real-life musical about our relationship. You know, it's like a totally different experience. But my music's still there and my teaching is still there. And then I have my podcast, which is new, you know, I only started that in, well, January 2nd, and I decided to do it on January 1st at 3.41am, which you can hear about in uh, in the podcast. I actually had like a New Year's Eve confession, I couldn't really sleep. And I grabbed my iPhone and did this series of stories on Instagram, really, really vulnerable stories. And then ended up stripping the audio off that and making that into a podcast. It's a really fascinating episode to listen to. I'll have to get that for you in your show notes. But um, who am I? Look, I think I tend to just do what I feel most pulled to do. And again, I also produce films. And one of those films I produced was a huge deal in terms of money. We raised a lot of money, millions and millions of dollars for this film. And it felt like my truth, but not always 100%. And I ended up paying a price for that as well, you know. And so I've now sort of stepped back and I'm really careful before I start anything. And right now my focus is back into my music. My album just came out on June 29th. It's quite a big album. It's a compilation of years. It's my life really wrapped into a a bundle, you know. And now I'm going back into that space of clearing the decks so I can be creative, because whenever I get too far from my music, I start to get very um, I start to feel the itch. you know my it's almost like my body doesn't start to function as well. My mind doesn't start to function as well. My relationships aren't as sweet because I'm not in that state of for me, it's a state of love where. I sit down at the keyboard, I close my eyes and put my headphone on, I put my mouth to the microphone and something just changes. Something comes through. It's like this stream of consciousness sort of blasts through me. And these songs get gifted to me like a on a silver platter. It's the most strange experience. And if I move away from that too long, then I don't feel like Nick Broadhurst. But at the same time, I reach this point where I felt like, man, I've been through a lot. I have something to offer. I want to start offering that to the world. It's a different perspective it's a, it's a way that not men, not many men tend to speak. And I wanted to be really real, really vulnerable and honest. I have a whole Radical Honesty series in my podcast, which, as you would know, is, is super open. You know, there's, there's no secrets with me. Um, so, look, I, I think, who am I? I'm just someone who, I, as you said, I love the word conduit. <clears throat> Excuse me. We're all conduits in our own way. And I think there's just different channels for me to conduit my experience to the world. One of them is music and one of them is through voice, through talking Um, and through film as well, music videos as well. There's lots of different things. And I also have, you know, various businesses and I have um, another business, which is a big thousands of people around the world, which is a big team that I lead and I love playing that leadership role. So I think it comes in many forms. It's very hard to put a, put a label on it. But for me, music is the heart of me. Brilliant. On what is the,
0: the big business that you just mentioned? And then on top of that, you mentioned the word leader and you enjoy that. I'm also curious to know what does leadership mean to you?
1: It's mm, a good question. Well, the business is, um, I'll tell you the story. So last year I, I came out of a really intense film production process where I was on the road for most of 2016 internationally traveling the world, filming um, a documentary, which was just so challenging. The content that we were trying to capture was very controversial, very um, almost a faux pas, to be honest, because it was really pushing the boundaries. Um, And I'll tell you more about that, I'm sure, in the future, because it's still coming out. But it meant that I I sort of burnt myself out again. I found myself in this place of being burnt out. And then amongst that, I decided to do more physical work. I'd already done so much more, so much physical work. But I thought I'm going to do this gut healing protocol, right? And I thought I was doing the right thing for me. But from an Ayurvedic perspective, it was completely wrong on every single level for my constitution. So for the first sort of six months of, 2017 I pushed myself into a really tough place physically and then for the latter half of that year I was in a real deep state of depression I'd never experienced that before now we can get all afraid of the word depression we can look at it for what it is and for me it was again ignoring my intuition moving away from my truth and it was just another wake-up call for me It was also a necessary process of purging, of burning off who Nick was, who I thought that I was. And this comes as part of anyone's spiritual process. And for me, it was a process of having meditated for nine or 10 years consistently twice a day. And you get to a point where the layers have peeled back so much that you reach this point of kind of no return where you've let out so much light through the process of shedding some of that darkness that you've accumulated through your life that to go to that next level, it's extremely painful. It really hurts. It's not a pleasant process to to break through each of those levels of consciousness. I mean, it sounds kind of woo-woo, but I always say the woo-woo is true-true because that's all there is, right? We're all just (laughs) big bags of woo-woo floating around. But um, I reached this point where it really, I honestly felt like I was going to die. There's a whole story I tell on my podcast about it. And it was either give up or move forward. It was really, it was quite dire. Um, so from that, I had this really strange experience where I was down at Bondi, North Bondi, one of my favorite spots on the grass, about to do a workout. And I had a really tough morning. (laughs) I was in the kitchen. My wife walked out and I was in this really tough spot. I literally just felt like crying. I didn't know why. I was just so down. My wife walks in and looks at me and I'm sure you know my wife, Melissa, and she's a very shiny mirror, a very bright soul doing amazing work in the world. And she looks at me and she says, Nick, look at what you've created. Just look up, stop looking down, look up. It's a choice. And she just left me with that. And of course, I knew she was right, Mm -hmm. but you know, I was wanting to stay in that place of struggle. So I walked down to the gym, outdoor gym. I was on my knees on the grass, and I was doing arm circles, warming up my shoulders, and all of a sudden, and this is gonna sound crazy to some people, but I'll put it out there: my Mm -hmm. arms, my head were thrown back behind me. And it was like I was, I was on my knees and it felt like I was getting blasted by some sort of energy. It was the strangest sensation. I probably looked like a complete nincompoop, but I'm on my knees and I feel like I've been transported into some sort of wind tunnel. It was the most bizarre feeling. And I had this message getting literally belted over my head. You must be of service. You must be of service. You must be of service. And it kept smashing me over the head. And I realized, holy crap, no wonder I feel the way I feel because I've been so focused on myself with a small S and forgotten about my higher self. Not only that, I'm not serving anyone in this current state. I'm completely self-centered. So from that point, for about a week, I went from this really depressed state and stood up off the grass and was immediately shifted into a perpetual state of bliss. And I call it my Jesus moment or my Buddha moment. It was the most bizarre thing. So for about a week, this state was unbreakable. Everything I saw, everything I smelled, tasted, touched, interacted with was just pure love. And Melissa was like, who are you? Like, what has gone on here? It was most strange situation. I know it sounds bizarre, but you couldn't break it. I was literally walking around in this bliss love bubble. And during that week, you're probably wondering where this story is going. During that week. I love a good I, story. <laughs> during that week, I just was sitting with it. How can I be more of service? Like, what can I do? And I was looking at Melissa's audience and she's got a very big international following. She's a best-selling author of multiple books. And we've created some amazing resources for her tribe. And I thought, I have to find a way to be more service to these people. And around that time, I actually, a friend of mine had, and she'd never spoken to me about this, but I know that she had just hit this level in a network marketing business called doTERRA, which is an essential oils business. She just hit the highest level. What I'd seen in her over the years is this huge transformation from all these limiting beliefs, money blocks, abundance blocks, health blocks, moving through all that stuff. And then with this one, one and a half plus million dollar per year residual income thinking, wow, what a freaking transformation. Like what was, what happened here? You know? And I just thought I have to look into this. So I spoke to her and I said, you know, tell me your journey. And I heard the journey and I realized, wow, like, as much as people don't understand network marketing they might be thinking of tupperware back from the 80s but what people miss it is the most powerful personal development tool pretty much apart from meditation on the planet it is phenomenal because if you're going to be successful in that business you have to move through just about everything and i realized that we had this opportunity with Melissa's audience and my audience to offer them an opportunity basically you know i call it a business in a box but essentially it's consciousness in a box or personal development in a box. There was this opportunity to move through all their levels because if they had a health block, they couldn't be successful. If they had an abundance block, they couldn't be successful. They had to really hit that triangle of health, wealth, and love to be successful. So we decided to launch our own team in doTERRA called Path to Freedom. And it was never about Melissa and I. It was about them. It was a way of serving them. And I can honestly tell you, it's been a beautiful gift. We have um, over three thousand people in the team in the first twelve months, and we're one of the fastest-growing teams ever in Doterra, and it's it's been a beautiful thing because I got to witness all these women, mainly women, growing through so much stuff. And just recently, we hit the second highest level in the organization, and I sort of went, "Yeah, cool." You know, I was chuffed, I guess. But then I saw some of our leaders, some of our girls at a retreat having fun together and that just lit me up. So that is one of the other things that we started together and it's been a lot of fun. I never thought in my wildest dreams I would be involved in network marketing, but I stayed open to the possibility of anything that came our way. And this landed in my lap. It felt true. I did it and it has worked and it's been a blessing. So I think, you know, when we follow our intuition, we get rewarded beautifully sometimes. I like that
0: perspective, actually, and it sounds like what you're really getting from it is not even the business perspective. It's that, and coming back to that leadership word, it sounds like you're bringing out the best of other people. It's your way of service, and the triangle of the health, wealth, and love is you giving others a platform, not just of the doTERRA aspect, but of all your everything that you have to offer about, once again, the human experience to these people within that group to really bring out the best of them. So, and that's why I'm always interested when people talk about leadership and they lead what it means to them because to me, it's about teaching others how to be the best version of themselves. So you being your best self to be able to bring out the best self in others and then they have their own platform to stand on to be a leader in themselves.
1: Mm, Yeah, totally. I mean as a leader you're the people that you are leading are they're a very shiny mirror for you because they reflect back a lot of stuff to you that you need to address within yourself so it's a very mutual beneficial exchange for sure and um you know i've definitely had to grow as a person to be able to lead a team of that size and it's only in its infancy you know in the next year or two it'll be 30,000 people so it's an exciting thing and I'm so grateful we did it because it's also become a, a tool of growth for myself, which has been great. And I could never have done this two years ago. I just couldn't have done it. I wasn't in the space to be able to to lead from an inspired place. So, you know, I had to do a lot of work around understanding uh, projection, for example, and some simple concepts around projection and shadow work and all these sorts of things that I've dived into over the years before you can actually effectively lead. Otherwise, you end up projecting all your stuff onto other people, you know. So, yeah, it's been a very nice exchange so far.
0: Brilliant. I love that. Now, there's so many things I wanted to unpack with you, and you've mentioned the word Ayurveda a few times, and if we've got time, mm. we'll come back to that. But sure. I also, you've, you've mentioned Melissa a few times, and I want to get into relationships. Before we do that, I just want to... I have a question from a participant in my mental strength training online program, because she's a fan of yours and Melissa's. So I told her that I was going to have you on the podcast and I gave her the opportunity to ask a question to you directly. She actually had a few. So I'm just going to throw two at you. The first is Mm -hmm. how do you learn not to be judgmental? And then the other one, what does mindset mean to you? How do you practice it? How do you switch it on?
1: Mm. Okay. So judgment, it's such an interesting topic. It's to be honest, you know, it's to say that I don't judge would be naive because I think it's very hard to avoid judgment on all levels. Um, I think ultimately it comes through a practice of work on yourself. And for me, the ultimate practice of evolving yourself, awaking yourself is meditation. And a specific tool that I use is the Vedic form of meditation, which is mantra-based, 20 minutes twice a day, um, similar to what people call transcendental meditation. And I think what happens through that is you get more established in this state of being, beingness, instead of doingness. When you're in a state of doingness, it's very easy to get caught and wound up in other people's stuff and to become almost like a radio that tunes into other people's frequencies and you align with their frequencies instead of staying on your own frequency. And so I think judgment comes from that lack of almost like spiritual clarity, you know, and the more you go through this process, you become, I guess, more filled with love. I mean, that's ultimately our truth. We are, all just love. It's just that we feel it more than others and other people feel it more than I do. Buddha, Jesus, these sorts of people, they were the embodiment of love, right? So in terms of judgment, I think it's just a gradual process. I don't think you can intellectualize some of these concepts because the more mental power we put into trying to stop doing something, the more we create the opposite. You know, when we try and stop something, we can often create the opposite and, and actually create the very thing we're trying to stop. Sometimes it's more a, uh, a process of surrender and just allowing things to be. And so I still judge, you know, I wish I didn't, but I've definitely refined that over the years. And I just, I think the best way to say, to answer that question would be to encourage people to have their own practice you know, and it looks different for every single person. And we can get into that later if you like, but have a practice which is moving yourself towards being your true self. And as you get closer and closer to that end of the spectrum, or perhaps we'll call it the middle, then these sorts of things start to gently dissolve away. You know, it's, it's if we try and come at it from a mental or emotional perspective, it's very hard to dissolve things like judgment. I hope that answers the question.
0: Absolutely. It makes complete sense. There's a lot that goes into that. But I think it's obvious that as human beings, we're always going to judge. But to be able to learn how to do it less often, I often teach people, well, what is judgment? You know, when we look Mm. at, because we're also afraid of other people's judgments of us. And that holds us back from doing things and when when we look at what judgment actually is it's just a it's actually just a perception and then we look at what perception is and perception is made up from our our unique life experiences our values our belief systems and our fundamental operating context so therefore judgment is always going to happen and people's judgment of us is going to be so different and it's just their their lens based on their life experience so it actually the more we can just break it down and understand that like you said, it creates that sense, of, that sense of freedom and that sense of self. And what you said there about having the practice and everyone's practice is different. I think it's amazing to expose people to those differences, what is available to each individual. So yes, it makes complete sense.
1: Yeah. I'll add to that as well, that judgment really robs you of a lot of beauty because I find myself occasionally, I might assume, make assumptions about someone before I even know them. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And then often when I do that, I get the wake-up call of that person turning out to be something I never expected and being pleasantly surprised. And I think judgment really is a huge block towards us experiencing a lot of the beauty that's around us. So, yeah, it's always there. But, um, you know, it's funny. I don't, it's it's an interesting question because it's not something I ever think about. You know, it's not a dialogue that I have. I don't know whether that's because I'm not surrounded by people who have that as an issue. I just don't tend to have that conversation around judgment. So, you know, I almost feel a bit stumped with the question because I just don't tend to think about it. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, absolutely. You you feel your mind and your space and your energy with the things that are actually important. So what you've done there, like you mentioned before, is that practice of self is to create space. And obviously that space has pushed judgment and the thought of judgment away from, from your inner circle.
1: And it's awareness because, again, having a practice makes you more self-aware. And the more awareness you develop, the more you pick up on these things before they become a problem, right? And look, I'm no saint, trust me. I'm far from a saint. You know, I'm working through things right now in my own marriage, which are really challenging. And it's just another step that I have to (laughs) try and step over to reach the next level. And that's what life's about. It's this constant process. You know, I I sort of feel like in some respects, I'm in sort of consciousness kindergarten. Like I just kind of woke up. And I've got so far to go, <laughs> but, you know, it's, um, it's, I joke about this. I wrote this, um, I did a podcast called just give me the goddamn hamburger because it was about the, the idea of ignorance is bliss. <laughs> and once you go on a path of, you know, making that conscious choice to be better every day, then it doesn't mean it's going to get easier, <laughs> you know? and Sometimes I think, God, wouldn't it just be nice to <laughs> have a normal <laughs> life? You know, why did I have to know all this stuff? Because once you're aware of it, you can't unaware it. You can't, you can't forget it. You can't unremember it. You know, it's there because we don't learn anything. No one learns anything. I don't teach anything to anyone. Everyone just remembers what they forgot. And the reason they forget or I forget or you forget is we get covered up in stuff that we accumulate in our life that blocks our light. You can imagine that if we look at an onion, if you start peeling back an, an onion, there's layers to that. That's that's the human, that's the self, right? If you walk into a, a room and it's pitch black and you fumble around and in the corner you find this big furry object and you start pulling at it and you realize there's blankets and you pull one blanket off. And then you pull another blanket off and another blanket. Then you start to see a tiny bit of light come through Then you pull another blanket and then more light and then more light and you just keep exposing it. Then you realize below that, beneath that, there is a lamp. It's just covered by all these blankets. You are the lamp. And as you go through this process, you are constantly pulling these blankets off. Right. And that is the process. I guess you could call it becoming enlightened. You are enlightening. That is the process. It's not, no one ever gets enlightened. It's just a process of being enlightening, you know. And I think it's important to state that because it can easily sound like there's a sense of spiritual superiority when people speak about their own, um, their own journey. But everyone's at a different stage of having peeled these layers back. And as I spoke about last year, I sort of reached this point of having peeled back a lot of layers. And to get lighter than where I was, there's resistance to that because that light gets very bright. It gets very hard to handle. And I resisted and resisted and resisted. And it was the resistance that caused that pain and that depression. And finally, I just, it just dissolved. I just let go. It was a choice. It was a constant choice at 3.41 AM on January 1st, 2018 <laughs> to let go. And it just disappeared. Um, so yeah, I don't know where that came from. I've gone off, <laughs> gone off track on a tangent, but anyway.
0: Like I said, I love a good story. So I want to talk about relationships now. My gorgeous fiance Marie and I—we've been together for over four years, and I believe we'll be living into our hundreds together. I—I I say I'll live until I'm 110, and she says she'll live until she's 100. So I'll have the last decade or so without her, I guess. And we're only four days <laughs> apart in age, so we're both 32 at the moment. We've got a couple of lifetimes together yet. However, we—we yeah. we do aim to live in the moment as often as we can, but because we know we've got a couple more lifetimes together we've made a pact or an agreement that we'll always always even when times are amazingly awesome and to be honest we have a freaking amazing relationship most of the time but like you said we're we're human and we have our challenges but our promise to each other is that we'll always work on enhancing and optimizing our relationship and we'll forever look for new ways to connect on different levels and it's it's great for us because when something pops up and we think should we try this or should we try that we both say well yeah of course we should it's it's a new way to connect and and bond together and grow together but Mm. after listening to your podcast and hearing you talk about ways that you and melissa do this i've realized there's a whole new world out there and to be honest And I respect your openness with your community and the info you share on your podcast, mate, but Mm -hmm. I I, I probably wouldn't share that much with my community.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Look, I I mean, I made that commitment to myself that if I was going to do a podcast that I would just go for it. And it's weird because I actually feel the most comfortable when I'm the most vulnerable, which is kind of bizarre, but it works for me.
0: Well, that, and that's brilliant. That's, that's good to know that it works for you. You've found that space and, uh, you know, that I, what I like about that is you expose the power of vulnerability and people respond to that. But I just wanted to, when we talk about relationships, how do you explain your relationship with Melissa and tell us some of the ways that you guys consistently grow together with openness and you don't have to go into full detail here. I can refer people to your podcast for that, but just interested to to know this from a relationship perspective and consistently, consciously growing together with openness.
1: Well, I guess the growth side of it is not even a choice. It's, it's going to happen whether we like it or not. It's just, the choice is how do we move through that growth together and i always say that marrying melissa was the easiest and the hardest thing i've ever done you know it's it's been the wildest ride i can't tell you we had a really interesting journey where we we met and we were engaged in two weeks it was like yeah it was like um it was bizarre. Those two weeks were so interesting because I felt like I was being kind of moved around by some master puppeteer and I was this puppet just kind of getting moved around. Okay, cool. Yep, now I'm looking for a stone and now I'm going to propose and that's it. It was the most natural, effortless thing. There was no there was no thought process in it. It was just a very, it was pure flow. It was really beautiful. And we said to each other, wow, we're we having such a light experience. Where's the polarity in this? where's the polarity going to come from? You know, we almost put it out there which, <laughs> and very quickly we were gifted that complete polarity of challenge because we had all the support in us meeting each other. And then we had a lot of challenge, <clears throat> excuse me. And the whole tour we did around Australia, the open mind tour was really based on this. It was based on the concept of support and challenge. We're very realistic that relationships are not always rainbows and butterflies there is support and challenge in equal measure at all times not just in relationships but in everything that is the essence of the yin yang symbol that masculine and feminine energy the yin yang is in everything it's in the microphone right now that i'm speaking into you know it exists in all matter it's a universal law we can't escape and it exists in our relationships so We've always been really clear on the concept of support and challenge. And when I reflect back on our relationship so far, we've had so much growth. There's nowhere to hide. We always call each other out when someone's not being their higher self, which you know is challenging because you can't be average. So when you when you when you meet your match, you meet your soulmate. You're one. There's nowhere to hide anymore. You know, you're putting your hand up to the universe and saying, "I'm ready." to be the best person I can be because I've now got my my equal, my mirror, who's going to reflect back at me all the time. So there are a lot of concepts that we have that we use, we try to use as much as possible, and we do, and then we forget them, you know, and then we use them, we forget them because we're human. But I think there are a few core concepts that have been most helpful to me personally, and Melissa's written a whole book on this called Open Wide. But it's a very simple statement that we can all use. And again, we did a whole tour based on this concept. And the statement is this simple it's one sentence nothing good comes from closing. That's it. If we can use that one statement as our own internal GPS, I can guarantee you that you'll move through the challenges in your relationships with a lot more ease and grace, and you will grow together a lot more quickly, so I'll explain what it means, I'll give an example actually, so imagine you're in bed, you're with your partner, and you're lying there, and you notice that you're, let's say it's you, and actually I'll use me as an example, I notice that Melissa is just a bit off, a bit close towards me, I can just sense something's not quite right, And I say to her, babe, is everything okay? Yeah, I'm fine. So straight away, you know, okay, (laughs) something's going on here, right? And the feminine is this beautiful thing because the feminine is far more complex than the masculine. The feminine, if you picture it as a flag and the masculine is the flagpole, that flag dances around that flagpole. It has a lot more variance in it. So... Often with the feminine, we can get caught up in trying to figure out what's going on, to try and talk through it, to try and intellectualise it, to try and work it out. Often the feminine doesn't want to be worked out. They just want love. So whenever I find myself getting caught in a dialogue, I try and snap myself out of that and remind myself, whoa, 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 what is the feminine calling out for here? It's calling out for direction. How can I give the feminine that masculine directional energy? It's very simple. I can just, instead of trying to talk to her and figure out what's wrong, I can just gently roll her over, face her with an open chest, an open heart, stare into her eyes, let her feel my power and let that melt any concerns that she has and let that transform her into love. And from there, I always talk a lot about the importance of making love on my podcast and just how important that is. It's the glue that binds any relationship. We have, if you imagine a house is built of bricks, it's the foundation, but the cement holds that house together. Well, the bricks is love, the cement is sex, is intimacy, not just any sex, but soulful sex, right? And in that situation, I could easily get closed. I could easily go, oh, like, seriously, like I'm tired. Can, can we talk about this in the morning? That could be my reaction. And let me tell you, I've done that before many times and I always pay the price. And the price is I end up staying awake three hours more than I should have and getting the same result, <laughs> which is eventually <laughs> having both of us opened up and yielding and making love or whatever it is getting unity right so the most important thing to remember in relationships is nothing good comes from closing as soon as you're both closed to each other there's going to be friction right there's going to be challenge the minute that one of you just one it just takes one person to yield you don't have to compromise just think of it as yielding it's like uh, just melt just soften the minute one person does that It transforms the entire experience, right? And you can look at this in just about every situation. It doesn't have to be just your romantic relationships. It can be every relationship. Nothing good comes from closing. And if you want to identify what it feels like to be closed, it's a restricted state. You know, your shoulders are sort of hunched over and you feel your eyes are cast down. When you open, you open your chest, you look up, you can breathe and you feel more expansive. So it's restricted versus expansive. So whenever you feel restricted, just remember, oh, okay, I just need to open wide. And that one tool can transform every single situation in your relationship instantly. And, you know, I wish I remembered it always, but <laughs> we forget, we remember, we forget, remember, but that's one of my most powerful tools so far.
0: And that's like a an anchoring thing, right? Because, as you said earlier, there's a lot that you know, and sometimes you wish you could just go back to the blissfulness of ignorance. But the powerful mm. thing is, you know that well. That's not really going to serve you for very long, anyway, and it's definitely not going to fuel you and your drive as a human and your purpose. And it's similar to what you talk about here with. We we know what we need to do to enhance and optimize a relationship. And for you guys, talking about that restricted state versus the expansive state, and you know you need to do that more often. And sometimes you just need to anchor into it. It's not that we can just be that optimal self all the time, but understanding what that optimal state is and then how to actually shift into it is is a powerful process. And I was going to ask you, but I think you've just answered it. Of why do you believe that relationships don't stay, stay strong and what's missing from relationships? And it sounds like, am I right in thinking that your idea of that is that people just are closed too often?
1: Well, every relationship is different and they all serve different purposes. You could be 19 years old, in a nightclub and, and find a pretty girl and go home and have a beautiful night together. And that may be the end of that relationship. You know, there wasn't enough unity points between the two of you to continue that beyond the first night. So not every relationship is meant to be forever. But I definitely feel like a lot of the time people can look at the grass as greener concept, forgetting that the grass is greener where you water it you know and relationships are one of the greatest opportunities for growth they're this beautiful container that can elevate both of you if you're willing to do it and you know it's it's challenging sometimes you have a relationship where one person wants to go on this journey of personal development awareness consciousness spirituality whatever you want to call it and the other one doesn't and i experienced this in my first marriage. And what happens is, if you imagine you have two people standing with their backs to each other, and there's a rubber band around your waists, and one person starts walking off, they're on this journey, and that rubber band starts to get tight, and there's a bit of tension there. And they keep going, and they keep going. The other person's standing firm, they're not going anywhere, they're rocks, right? They're not going on the journey. This person just keeps going, and that rubber band starts getting really tight. There's a lot of friction. In fact, it starts cutting into their hips. You know, it starts causing pain. But that person keeps going and going and going. Now, at that point, what's going to happen is this person's either going to get slingshot (laughs) through this rapid period of growth to catch up or that rubber band's going to break. And I think that's, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, that's just a natural process for a lot of relationships. But I do feel like a lot of people miss just what an opportunity being in relationship with someone is. And, you know, I had this sort of concept that marriage wasn't natural. And, you know, I went down this whole path. I read this book called sex at dawn and it kind of gave me this whole, whole idea around monogamy. And I thought I'll never get married. The minute I thought I'll never get married, I met Melissa and I was engaged in two weeks. (laughs) Um, And I believe there are beautiful opportunity and a lot of things like Tantra and Kama Sutra and a lot of these more sensual spiritual practices, I believe were born because we formed these more um, household units and that's the way our society is formed. So why not use that as a vehicle for growth? Why not use that to go deep into your own consciousness and your own soul by using the other person and each other as that platform and that point of inspiration. So, Yeah, I mean, I I think relationships are unbelievable. That doesn't mean it's easy. Melissa and I have to work through stuff all the time, but that's just part of being in relationship with someone.
0: Yeah, I think it's uh, amazingly important for people to really understand what you're saying there and take a different perspective about relationships. And now, when I talk about relationships, I'm talking about loving relationships to people as a couple, because too often, I think you know, they get comfortable, they go through the honeymoon period, they get really comfortable with each other and then forget about what it's, what it's really about in that growth period together. And I really like that analogy of the band. I haven't heard that one before.
1: Yeah. And look, I I think there are some basics in all relationships when we're talking about romantic relationships, there's some basics that when you move away from, it's going to (laughs) hurt. It's just going to cause trouble. And one of those things is intimacy. You know, I spoke about it before. It's the glue that binds us. When you're in a romantic relationship, there's you and your partner, right? There's only one thing when you're in a monogamous relationship that you can do with that person that no one else can do, and that's make love. So if you're not doing that in your relationship, and it's easy to say, yeah, but we're, you know, we're friends and we're just, you know, we're really good companions. Okay, each to their own, but... Intimacy is the glue. And I would say 95% of all drama that manifests in my relationship is as a result of not prioritizing intimacy. And the minute that we do, everything melts. Everything goes away, right? So I think as a basic, really embracing sex as a tool of your own growth, and especially for the masculine, my God, it is, there is nothing better than to be able to serve your queen, to take her to an experience of God, love, universe. We've all got different names for it. But that is the power of the masculine. Our lovemaking is most definitely a spiritual experience. You know, it serves us on so many levels. And from a masculine perspective, it's never about me. I always make it about her. And that, in turn, fills me up. So one of the basics is most definitely lovemaking. The other is understanding these concepts of nothing good comes from closing. And, of course, another thing which Melissa speaks about in her book, Open Wide, is crystal clear communication. Being able to communicate openly with each other in a way which is non-threatening and which honors your truth. You know, there's some of these basics that really should just be part of your operating system. And it's okay if we forget because we're human, you know, it's okay if I go for a week and realize, my God, I haven't been very affectionate this week, but at least you're aware of it. And you've got this operating system that you can always come back to, you know, Melissa and I have something we call the lover's code. And it's like a little set of rules. There's, there's, Some never, so things we never do. There's some always things, things we always do, some conditional things, and some unrestricted things, which we just wrote it out one day and we kind of agreed on it. This is kind of like our operating system, right? And what's a simple one? Never go to sleep angry. Like it's a classic old one. You know, some of these basic rules. And I would say we're 99% good at that, but occasionally it happens. Um, So, yeah, I think really getting your head around these basics, most definitely understanding the concepts of the masculine and the feminine energies within yourself and within the relationship, understanding that there is a polarity between you and that polarity needs to be maintained in order to have that magnetism, that pull in order to have attraction and intimacy. Some of these basic concepts, once you get them, it shifts everything and One of the best books you can read on this is The Way of the Superior Man by David Dieter or Dear Lover by David Dieter, which is the feminine version. So... Yeah, that's what I would say about relationships.
0: Brilliant. And I think for people listening who haven't and I, I, I get people asking me sometimes, yeah, you know, how what does it mean to be spiritual? What does it? where does one begin? How do you tap into your spirituality? And it's often something that I'm talking about with people, but to hear you talk about from a spiritual perspective, the masculine and the feminine and understanding the human experience there it makes complete sense about that intimacy within relationships and i come from and i understand that now but there's a period of time where i wouldn't have understood that when i didn't didn't come from that perspective and coming from high performance sport all my life and understanding the physiology and you talk about what's important from a masculine perspective and understanding that the the hormonal aspect of it and the testosterone drive and what the way that we are fueled as men and what we're supposed to do with, with that fuel and also from a feminine perspective and their hormonal balance and their internal drive and how that's served best. So for, for people listening who might have got a little bit lost in that masculine, feminine and the spiritual perspective, if you understand just as, a, as an evolutionary uh, physiological human being, it makes complete sense that we are supposed to or that we are here to serve each other in that way and especially in those relationships.
1: Yeah, and just look at it this way. We're not talking about male and female. We're talking about energies. And I'm comprised of masculine and feminine and so are you. It just happens that I'm more masculine than I am feminine and so are you. Mm -hmm. But my wife is more feminine than she is masculine, right? Everyone's got their own unique balance of these two energies. That is the yin-yang. You know, you picture the yin-yang you have, black and white and each one has that tiny circle of black and white in the opposite. One can't exist without the other. And so they're always in, they're always there, they're always in their own unique balance. And it's understanding how those interact in a relationship which forms that polarity. When I speak about polarity, it's important I'll try and make it really simple. If you take two magnets, right? And you have a negative magnet and a positive magnet. So you're talking about a masculine and a feminine. They're just energies, right? If you pull, if you pull those towards each other, if they get too close, they're going to snap. They're going to go boom, straight together. That's a romantic relationship, right? Mm-hmm. Because you have a clear feminine and a clear masculine, boom. They attract. They are attracted because there is polarity. Now, what happens a lot in this world is that the feminine, females, have to go out into a more masculine world. So they may have to go to a corporate environment and literally put the pants on for the day and they come home still wearing the pants, still more in their in their masculine, still very strong, right? And then the, ma- the man is at home and he's in his masculine and all of a sudden you've got two masculines. If you take those two masculines, now let's call them two um, negatives and you try and put those two negative magnets together, what's going to happen? You can't get them to touch, right? Mm -hmm. They're going to push each other away because there's now an imbalance in the individual energies within within, within each of us. The minute that the feminine sees, okay, I need to let go of that masculine energy I've carried in from the corporate world and literally put on my feminine, go have a bath, soften, get into my feminine energy, not female, feminine, and soften, because that's the true state of the feminine, then that masculine and that feminine are going <laughs> to snap back together. All right, that's polarity. So very simple concepts if you think of it like a magnet. And if you ever feel friction, you ask yourself, where am I on the spectrum right now within myself? Where is my partner right now on their spectrum within themselves? Is, am I more in my feminine? A lot of times men might not have a purpose. They might flounder and not have true purpose or true mission. See women, the feminine falls in love with the mission, right? Whenever the masculine doesn't have a mission, he starts to become more feminine and there goes the polarity again. You've got two feminines coming together, right? So I noticed this in one of my relationships where I wasn't well, I was at home, and my partner would go out, she'd go into the corporate world, she'd come home with the pants on, I'd be at home cooking dinner. Now, I don't want to stereotype, but in terms of just pure energy, she's walking in with a very directional masculine get stuff done energy. I'm at home, soft cooking, right? I'm not in my masculine. She's not in her feminine. We're not, we're not making love that night. If we understood the concept of the masculine and feminine, I would know, okay, cool, it's okay that I'm cooking. There's nothing wrong with that but I've got to know how to stand in my masculine energy. And she needs to know how to put the masculine at the door when she walks in and soften. And then all of a sudden you're going to melt into each other. And these simple concepts can take a relationship so far. And I never knew it, but once I got it, it completely changed everything. And I would never have manifested Melissa in my life without understanding these, true, these core concepts.
0: The, and your understanding of that, does that come from the books that you referenced previously?
1: Yeah, I mean, that was definitely my starting point. In 2007, I picked up uh, The Way of the Superior Man. I tried to read it and I thought, what a load of crap, <laughs> you know, because I just wasn't ready for it. And then in 2000, I think it was 2011 or something, I picked it up again and I was like, oh, my God this is my operating system. It just made sense Mm -hmm. and it changed everything. So yeah, absolutely. But the minute that you get the spark from a book, you start to integrate it in your own way. So the way that I speak about it is very different to the way that you may read about it because it's now become my experience and I've embedded it into my world and I've, I've seen it play out. Right. And even to the point where if I'm not, training and feeling strong within my body my masculine starts to diminish a bit and that starts to erode my love life little things like that you know like you start to just tune into like okay cool i'm not feeling physically the strongest right now and as you said testosterone and things before there is obviously a biochemical component to these energies but you start to just integrate it and see it it's like you get given this little lens in how to view the world, right? And you start to see things differently. And that's really all knowledge is you start to see things, but I wanted to come back to your other question, which is around spirituality. How do you start on the spiritual path? I think you mentioned that's a mm. common question you get. And I wanted to just make it really simple for people because it's really simple. Please <laughs> do. <one> word. <laughs> it's really simple. It's one word. Meditate.
0: And what does meditation mean to you?
1: Meditation to me is a specific form of meditation. And it's a form that I find most effective in the modern world. And you would have heard to I'm sure you would have heard of transcendental meditation. Yeah, absolutely. or, Or Vedic meditation, which is, you know, they're different branches of the same technique, essentially. Slight nuances to it. And I align with the Vedic branch of meditation, which is essentially a mantra-based meditation, which you do for 20 minutes twice a day. And it's very simple. Anyone who says meditation is hard has not done this type of meditation before. <laughs> because if we're doing a more monastic form, monastic being monastery-based, reclusive-based, you know, it's fine to have a breath-focused meditation practice if you are in the Himalayas in a monastery or in a cave and that's all you're doing. But we live in a modern world, right? It's very hard to block out everything that's around us. What we need is a practice that helps us integrate the feeling of beingness and stillness into our waking state. So a mantra-based meditation practice is so beautiful and so simple. It was brought to the West by Maharishi Mahesh Yogi back in the fifties and sixties. He was famously the Beatles guru and many, many other people, the doors, the band, they were formed at one of his retreats, right? Like so much came out of it. In fact, my parents were taught transcendental meditation in the sixties by Maharishi in London. Would you believe? Wow. And yeah. I didn't even know this until I'd started doing the technique. And dad's like, Oh yeah, we did that in the 60s, the Maharishi. I'm like, what? <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking about? Um, it and it made sense. vibrates in
0: your genes.
1: It, it does. And it made sense because it it was the trajectory. It started my dad's trajectory. Right. Mm. And it's really simple. You, you close your eyes, you get given a mantra, which is just for you. You don't speak it out loud. You don't share it, but let's, play with it let's just pretend that the mantra is ice cream right now it's not going to be ice cream because it's actually it's a word that means nothing to you you have no association with it it's just more the vibration and the sound of it and what happens is your mind is always seeking for the most attractive thing it's always looking for the most attractive exciting thing to grab onto and to and to spin around in its head right the monkey mind that's all our minds doing it's looking for the most attractive thing If we give it something that's more charming than thoughts, it's going to follow that, right? These mantras are more charming to the mind than thought. Mm -hmm. And so when you start to repeat this mantra silently in your head with your eyes closed, the goal is not to just sit there and mindlessly say this mantra. The goal is to begin with the mantra but let go of the mantra so you're left in a state of transcendence. Transcendence being really where you have transcended these layers of consciousness, sorry, layers of thought. You've gone beyond thought into a state of just being. And the best way I can describe it is you kind of feel like, well, this is for me personally. When I do transcend, I feel like I'm this sort of bubble with no borders, no boundaries, if that makes sense. You sort of dissolve into your environment. And it's a beautiful thing. Now, from a scientific perspective, if you want to get rid of all the woo-woo chat and just talk science, 20 minutes of this meditation is the equivalent of four hours sleep. Just think of that. You do it twice a day, you're getting the equivalent of eight hours sleep a day extra, right? Because it's putting you into a really deep state of rest. And when you're in that deep state of rest, it's a waking state. You're not asleep. When you're in that state of rest, your body has this natural intelligence, which allows itself to start going to town and repairing. So it repairs on all levels, physical, emotional, spiritual. It all just unfolds naturally. All you need to do is show up twice a day and meditate, right? And for me, when I first did it, my first ever meditation was really powerful. I was like, whoa, that was amazing. And some people go, oh, my God, that was so uncomfortable. I'd never want to do it again. Because what can happen is in this state, all the things we don't want to look at can start coming up. All the stresses that we have locked within us can start coming to the surface. Mm-hmm. And the goal of meditation is not to not think because thoughts in meditation can be simply Stress release. Stress can be manifested as thoughts. So the concept of having to sit there and not have a thought is downright misleading because good luck with that, right? <laughs> good luck with that. So if you try to do it with a monastic form of breath meditation and focusing on the breath on, you know, in your nostrils, it's going to be really, really hard to do that in the modern world. But with a mantra-based meditation where you have this charming sound, it's a primordial vibrational sound that your, your, your mind just wants to naturally follow. It's completely effortless. And all you need to do is just do the technique. You don't need to think about it. You just do it. And you might look back in six months and go, oh, wow, I just noticed that the books I'm reading are a bit different now and the foods I'm eating are a bit different and my friendships have sort of changed a bit, you know things start to just naturally change. And then you get sort of 10 years down the track with a technique like this, like I am, and you can't even remember what your life was like. It's so far from where you were, but it just happens gradually. So anyone who wants to go deep into themselves, into their self, meditate. It's really that simple. It's not rocket science.
0: Brilliant. And, what you're talking about, there playing the long game. I think that's vitally important for people too, because the world that we live in, everyone's looking for that immediate answer and that immediate change and response, and for everything to be manifested straight away. So I like that reference. And just going back to, you know, you're saying you push the woo-woo away and to bring science in. There's there's so much evidence behind it now, and. I don't feel that we actually need to have science as evidence and proof I think there's enough of, of it out there from an energetic perspective but Bruce Lipton is a good one and he mm. obviously did the book the biology of belief and the work that he's done since then and tying in with people like Dr Joe Dispenza and the the, mm. the documentary heal that came out recently you know that kind of stuff it's just more and more proof about those states that you talked about being in in those meditative states and how powerful how powerful they are. And you mentioned it before talking about masculine and feminine, you know, being two different energies and that's what we are as humans. We are energetic beings. So when we can tap into that through tools like meditation and those specific types of meditation that you mentioned, it just makes complete sense. And I think for everyone listening, if you haven't experienced it, it's, it is back to what Nick's mentioned a few times is openness and awareness and the openness to, to actually try and it, it take an experience like this and to see uh, how, how things manifest differently in your life. Like you said, you might just see a relationship change slightly. You might see that you just look at the world a little bit differently. All of a sudden, wow, that happiness, is you're not exploring for it. It's not a lost thing. It's, it's within you all the time.
1: Yeah, I can honestly say that I believe the most important, most pressing thing right now is for there to be more meditators on the planet. I I really believe it's that simple. And that's why I poured my entire pretty much life savings and raised millions and millions of dollars to produce a film on meditation. So, you know, I'm a big believer in it and anyone listening, if you don't have a meditation practice, the best place to start without actually having a teacher, if you just want to get a taste, download the one giant mind app and start with the one giant mind being technique, okay? It's a form of what I just discussed and it's free and you can get it in an app, and you can have one of my closest friends in your ear, Johnny Pollard, talking you through it. And from that moment on, if you stick with that practice, you're committing to a new life. You're saying, you're putting your hand up saying, I'm ready, I wanna go on this journey. And that simple technique, We'll do it all for you. You just need to get out of the way and let it work. It's magic. It's really, really that simple.
0: Brilliant. I'll link that up in the show notes with everything else. Mate, we have been talking for a long time and we could continue for ages. I've got a few more questions to finish off, but just, just what I have to touch on it. So the documentary you have been hmm. doing, you said that hasn't come out yet. It's It's around meditation, obviously.
1: Yeah, it's called The Portal. And look, there's a whole story there with my involvement and sorry. My phone's telling me, okay. Can you hear this?
0: Yes. Does that mean we've gone way over time?
1: <laughs> no. It says it's my phone, my little alarm saying stop meditate.
0: <laughs> uh, Would you brilliant. So, but it's like, is it's like, it all right if like, you like, delay your meditation just slightly today? I can
1: delay. <laughs> I can delay it, no worries. Um, That's how important it is to me because I've got alarms because I'm still. I'm a driven person. I'm still creating things all the time. This morning I've given birth to a new documentary and, you know, there's always projects coming, but if I forget to do this, if I don't have reminders and I do need reminders sometimes, then the day slips away and I go to bed and I I think, ah, I didn't show up fully today, you know, because I'm not feeling balanced. I'm not within myself. But the, the film, yes, it's called The Portal. It's coming out next year. Um, that is a whole other story it was a film that started out called superhuman <laughs> yeah. um, so we could well, speak for hours on that one but yes that'll I come think next we,
0: year well let's get you back on after the doco comes out and after people have had a chance <laughs> to watch it and we'll, we'll speak more about it then sure brilliant okay so I was going to ask too, what are some big visions from you, but I think the doco and you said you gave birth to a new one there. So let's, let's just stay tuned with the Nick Broadhurst big visions. And, and like I said, we'll mm-hmm. get you back on to discuss them as we go. But there's a few questions that I ask all my guests. And the first one is, uh, well, simply actually before we go into that, let us know where we can learn more about you. And then how can I and the listeners help you on your journey?
1: Good question. Well, first of all, I really want as many people as possible to hear my music, so head into Spotify or iTunes wherever you listen to music and just look for Nick Broadhurst. My album is called "Thank you," and that just came out a month ago. Um, there's eighteen tracks on that album, and yeah, that's probably the most important thing to me is people feeling what I wanted. well, to be honest, my music the mission for my music was to give people the feeling that I feel when I write it and that feeling is a state of expanse expansiveness and a state of love. And it's done within the context of still very relevant, cool electronic poppy music, you know? Um, So check out my music. I have a new website launching, which should be live today. So (laughs) stay tuned on that, but it's (laughs) I am Nick And uh, that's going to be my new portal where you can find all my podcast episodes all my music, my music videos, you can head to YouTube and watch my music videos. Um, yeah. I'm sort of everywhere on Instagram. I am at, I am Nick Broadhurst.
0: Brilliant. I'll link all that up in the show notes for sure. Now, and I've, I've been listening to your music actually. And I, I love, like you said, that it gives me, I haven't been able to actually explain it until you just mentioned it there that, cause I think, you know, it's, I resonate with it differently to what I do with most other music. And when you mentioned there that you want people to feel when they listen to it, how you feel when you write it, maybe that's what it is that I couldn't explain.
1: Yeah. I mean, most of my songs are, as you know, they're love songs, but not in the sense that you might think of when you think of the term love song, they're still, um, they're still current and relevant and they're radio friendly and they're fun. Some of them are deeper and more intense, but yeah, I don't know. It's, Music's a beautiful thing. It's one of the few things that can shift someone's state instantly. Mm -hmm. And I think that if I have one gift in this lifetime, it's being able to do that through music. So that's why I direct everyone to my music first
0: beautiful beautifully brilliant actually okay so this question that i ask all my guests on the show is around giving us a bit of uh guidance and it used to be an advice question but i've changed it now so what do you believe is good action for people to take to be more impactful in their lives and in their communities
1: i think it's really important always to remember that as human beings we all have the same purpose and again, we can overcomplicate this. We we will have our own path, but our purpose is to be of service. And when we embody that more and more every day, you live a much more fulfilling life. So just to remember, we are of service, and to find your own way, it doesn't mean you have to feed the homeless. We don't have to stereotype it. Being of service can be doing a podcast, writing music, whatever it is to you. That is leaving your mark on the world and elevating other people is being of service. So that would be the first thing. And to be honest, we can be more impactful when we are more in our truth and we can be more in our truth when we have a practice that supports that. And I might sound like a broken record, but I will say it again, meditation.
0: Brilliant. Yep. I think, your broken record doesn't go unheard. It's it's worth it.
1: <laughs>
0: now, Nick, one of my top core values is giving and I give all my guests a gift for giving their time and value on this podcast. And for you today, I am giving you the gift of our charity teas, our, our life teas range, but I'm going to send you, Melissa, and your son, Leo, one of our charity teas each. So oh, these are... We had uh, elite Olympic and Paralympic athletes create uh, design and pick a charity that was close to their hearts and we got them the the shirts made and did the campaigns and we sell them and donate 100% of the profits to their chosen charity. So you Amazing. three will all get one each.
1: Oh, thank you. That's super kind. I'll look forward to receiving that. Absolutely. Now, is there anything
0: else you'd like to say to the listeners or anything that you would like to ask me?
1: <laughs> Good question. Um Yeah, let me ask you a question. What can I do for you today?
0: You know, Nick, the best thing that you can do is what I would love for all people to actually do, and that is to be your true, genuine, authentic self. Because I look at this podcasting platform as a way to provide an abundance of value to my community. And often that value, it's never linear. Because I want to teach people to think differently. So to have you on the podcast today, after listening to your podcast and understanding your unique perspective of the world, to have you just speak from your truth, which is exactly what you've done, yeah, it that that is you giving your gift to me today.
1: Hmm. Too easy. Well, I'm glad I could... Connect with you, and I really appreciate the work that you do, and I can't wait to receive those gifts. and And thank you for having me. It's you know, it's always nice to take time to answer questions because it allows me the space to reflect on myself. And, you know, that's also that's also a beautiful gift for me as well. So thank you.
0: Brilliant. Absolute pleasure. And speaking of answering questions, you have five more in the fast Ooh, five. And, and these ones Do are it. really quick ones. So you don't need to give yourself time to think about it. Okay. <laughs> you ready for it? Go. Let's go. What's one habit you wish you could change?
1: Not always doing my morning routine.
0: What makes you feel absolutely pumped and exhilarated and energized?
1: Swimming. At the beach below my home in Noosa.
0: Mm, Nice. Have you ever washed a dog?
1: Many times.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Be love. And what are you most grateful for in your life right now?
1: Hmm. God, I'm grateful for so many things. Um, If I can name more than one, (laughs) I would have to say I'm grateful for my son and the time that we just had in Greece together. Um, I'm grateful for my wife. And for the very shiny mirror that she is, the relentless commitment she has to uh, supporting me and being the best person that I can be. I'm very grateful to be here with my parents today on my mother's birthday and to have the abundance to have a life where I can travel and be renovating a home and to be starting projects that I love and eating good food and speaking on an brand new microphone to you i'm just grateful for everything that the universe has gifted me and um i feel very gifted to be here right now as me
0: nick you're a legend you're a (laughs) purpose-driven guy that is fully embracing the human experience and teaching others along your journey how they can wake up and live more of a heart-filled life keep shining your authentic light to the world my man thank you so
1: much try and stop me
0: (laughs) (laughs) And happy birthday to your mum. I'll
1: pass that on. Thank you.
0: There he is, legends. A genuine soul staying true to himself and impacting the world profoundly on his journey. Make sure you check out his music and his podcast and help support his purpose. You can find all that at IamNickBroadhurst.com, which I'll have linked up in these show notes as well. Also, check him out and follow his journey on Instagram, where he does a lot of Instagram stories. His Instagram tag is I am Nick Broadhurst. Don't forget, you can also check out all the details of our upcoming impact journey at yourlifeofimpact.com forward slash impact journey. And we now have the Facebook group for you to join, which can be found in the Facebook group section when you search for Your Life of Impact podcast community. And as always, remember, this is your life journey, your life of impact.